Welcome to American Dispatches, where we discuss world news and influences that impact everyday Americans like you. I'm your host, Vic. I've traveled to over 100 countries, been a magazine contributor, hold an MBA, and a BA in international relations. In today's episode, we're going to get a little philosophical about America and the future of it, that is. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've had a little bit of an issue the last few years staying cohesive. And as I'm sure many of you know, nations throughout history that tend to be the most cohesive also do the best economically, from a foreign policy standpoint, and most importantly, in most cases at least, for their own population. But that's been sometimes a force for good, sometimes a force for bad. European nations were arguably the most cohesive in terms of their governmental structure their cultural values and uh, which which led to in large part military advances and so on that they didn't then used in turn to colonize other parts of the world possibly nowhere else was this better seen than in the US or the continent of North America in which a large part was to become the US where you had European settlers who were able to push on through manifest destiny and essentially conquer the continent because you had a population of hundreds of Indian tribes that were technologically inferior, but also they lacked the cohesiveness that the Europeans had. They had, these groups had been warring each other for hundreds of years. They had their own baggage and it was difficult, although with a few notable exceptions, the Indians rarely had the ability to just stand up cohesively and fight off the Europeans as one large group. Now, unfortunately, we're seeing essentially the modern day version of that covid has has just put every country in the world into a glass and shaken us all up and we're rattled you're seeing that across the planet but perhaps most importantly with us in the u.s we're a country of literally hundreds of different ethnic groups when you break it down very core large racial groups different political factions different religious factions, religious groups, and so on. And what has kept us together for all this time is the belief, the fundamental belief in America. Legend has it that when settlers first arrived here, Mohawk Indian dubbed us Yankee. That's where the word Yankee is derived from, as the legend states. Yankee was a derogatory term. It meant people of no people. We didn't belong to a place. But... From those first settlers, we've been able to grow into a into a large, prosperous, in fact, the most prosperous nation on earth. So what's reducing that cohesion now? In fact, even Elon Musk, at, over a decade ago, said in an interview what he admired about America was, rather astutely, America is not a country troubled by its history. Now, I don't think anybody would say that in the last few years. And that's exactly what's happening. We're letting historical issues get dug up to the forefront. And we're using things that really shouldn't be at the, the forefront of our society right now in most cases. We should be focused on the huge challenges of the day. Fighting cancer. Fighting cures for various diseases. How to put a man on Mars. These are the things where our national focus should be, sp spreading democracy around the world. 
Instead, we're letting these little itty-bitty issues just tear us apart. And the government, at least the current administration, is not helping. I try to stay away from being too divisively political here, guys, but what we've been seeing the last few weeks with the government effectively outsourcing restrictions on the First Amendment by leaning on social media companies to do their bidding, it raises a lot of questions, guys. We're kind of opening a new precedent. Pandora's box, if you will. The Biden administration, as I'm sure everybody knows, has been leaning on Silicon Valley companies to basically govern what they see as misinformation. Now, today they're using COVID-related misinformation as their reasoning for doing so. But believe you me, as those task forces, those in what are now currently somewhat informal task forces between the White House and representatives at Facebook, Twitter, and, and other major platforms, you better believe they're going to solidify those relationships, they're going to formalize them, and then for what now is seen as as misinformation on COVID, I guarantee you will spread to misinformation on transgender issues, then critical race theory, then American history itself. And this is crucial, guys, because previous generations, we focused on misinformation through very singular platforms, newspapers, then television, radio, one-way communication for the most part. With social media, not only are you barring that same one-way path of information from news sources, but in a lot of instances, you're actually borrowing the communication between individuals, their ability to discuss the topics of the day, to possibly debate, ooh, that's a strong word, to debate what could be happening. Let's restrict Americans' ability to do that. I, I, I see it in my mind as not just the government... Imagine we're all in a bar and the government not just controlling what's on the television in the corner... But now they're filtering the conversations between two guys on a bar stool. Now they see that as their right to do so. And that's, quite frankly, disgusting. Now, I know a lot of you guys are thinking, Yeah, but it's just about COVID. It's just about this one particular issue. And really, they're only attacking the far right and this, that, and the other. Well, it reminds you of a famous quote from 1946 from a Holocaust survivor. He's somebody that, that lived through Nazism. He was actually a Lutheran pastor named Martin Niemelor. Some of you might be familiar with this already. The quote goes as follows. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then, they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then, they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. I think that sums up where we're at. We're setting, as I mentioned, dangerous precedents, because right now you have a Democrat in the White House, and you have social media companies largely based in Silicon Valley in Northern California, and they're more than happy to oblige the wishes of a, of a liberal White House, because they share the same ideological values in so many ways. But like the quote I just read mentioned, when you set this type of precedent, what happens when, I don't know, an administration changes? How's that going to affect their point of view? Now we have these established government task forces that are going to implement, they're going to enforce what we see now in our news feeds. 
This is beyond. By the way, we're just talking about social media. I'm not. I could talk for hours about what's happening with our American media landscape as a whole. How six companies own ninety plus percent of American media between the newspaper, radio, and television. Look, the world is changing faster than ever. We're dealing with problems, quite frankly, that our parents, our grandparents, the founding fathers didn't have to deal with. We had it confined for most of American history. Freedom of press meant literally freedom of press, like the printing press. Freedom of assembly literally meant the freedom to assemble in large groups. But what about if freedom of assembly also means online forums? How do we govern that differently? I'm sure the Founding Fathers had, to some degree, thought about the advancements in technology. And those principles set forth at the founding of our country were non-negotiable. They didn't mean, oh, caveat, we weren't talking about freedom of press as it applied to this modern new platform, that this, that, or the other. No. Moving forward, we just need to be more ideologically consistent. Because this is going to bounce back and forth as technology changes, as people move platforms now, year to year. It's going to continue to ping pong and destroy the cultural milieu that is America. And more or less agree on core issues about what it means to be a citizen of said country. There are several eras in American history where, for the most part, 80 to 90% of everybody was on board. And it created this cohesiveness where things went well. We're going to need to see media platforms that are truly democratized. And we're going to have administrations that don't try to infringe on these platforms or on news in general. We need to do so in a way that we're not going to just develop echo chambers where the right has their own platforms, the left has their own platforms. That can be just as disastrous. No doubt, in the, I predict in the next year or two, you're going to see very large libertarian or conservative-leaning platforms pop up. When they do, start using them. Hell, I will. But just go into it knowing that, hey, we're still going to have to bridge this gap and keep our country cohesive. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a good weekend. That's all for today, folks. As always, the world is an exciting, badass place. Stay informed. You can do so by tuning in here on Apple or the Google Play Store. Till next time. Vio con Dios, America. America.